0: Under the helmet.
1: You do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay?
0: The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football.
1: It's a moment right here. We're gonna have to decide what, what type of team we want to be.
0: Building dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you leading the league in hydration. I got a dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may
1: beat me, but you will not outwork me.
0: Tim Torch. <laughs> There's
1: only one winner, Chad.
0: Find their written and premium audio content at UTHDynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose.
1: Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now.
0: Welcome down to the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I got Kitty Flower here. I am Chad Parsons of UTHDynasty.com. Week one is in the books and... We are full throttle. Uh, it's all about your teams, your lineups, making the best dynasty decisions possible. Would direct folks uh, about an hour and a half show this week. Usually it's an hour 15 or so. UTH film notes where I dive down in the middle of the night through every play of every game distill it down to what you need to know. First thing Monday morning. Uh, so that's one of the key features in addition to a lot of other great content at UTHdynasty.com. So I encourage folks to check that out as a premium subscriber. And Katie. I mean, how exciting, just in general, how exciting was week one? I mean, even if you take out the Monday night game, but just a number of new data points where everything is fresh, you might have ideas of what's going to happen, whether it's injuries or targets or opportunities, quarterback play, and week one is great because... You can say it didn't mean anything if it didn't align with what you thought. You can say it means everything if it absolutely aligns with the things you've been saying for 8 months. But the point is, in a few weeks we'll kind of find out what was true and what were false positives out of week 1.
1: No, there was a lot to digest this weekend. It was exciting to have football back. It
0: was crowds back, too.
1: Yeah, well, and the crowds back. Yeah, it was it was just fantastic. A um, lot of injuries in week one, like a normal fantasy football week. A lot of unpredictable. Some guys that we did not conceive achieved, and some guys that we thought, like Brandon Ayuk, for example, with the goose egg. Um, you know, in the doghouse. There were there were just a lot of different storylines, and depending on the crumbs that you followed, you may or may not have known to take them out of your lineup even like obj with the late minute scratch like some people were expecting that and and i get it and i looked on my fantasy league they have this the the s for starter and n for non-starter and if you got them on your taxi squad or ir but when one thing that i figured out with my fantasy league if there is three or four different divisions, it only tells you the one. And so you could own the person and it still doesn't show up that you've got him as a starter. You can't necessarily go by that. Yeah, so it,
0: it- well and, and and this just brings up a point that you say all the time which is if someone is is iffy, if someone, you know, if you have someone maybe it's a slight step down, you know, maybe it's a little bit, but the fact that it would reduce the risk of hey, they reaggravated something, they are are just worse for the wear during a warm up, a late thing where you might be scrambling. You may not see it 90 minutes before kickoff like it's posted. You may be doing stuff. And so you may see it 30 minutes before, 15 minutes before. You may hear about it on text or Twitter or GroupMe or whatever that that last minute change. I mean, we had a situation, right, with Josh Jacobs. I mean, so yeah. or 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 you might have had a, you know, a situation with say Sekhon Barkley and you know like you don't know uh, these situations and you always say whether it's privately to me or you've said it on shows before that, man, if you want to reduce the risk, there's guys like OBJ was inherent risk this week, you know, and that's, you know, inactives, you know, we got some surprise inactives as well, like uh, Trey Sermon and others that, you know, maybe you weren't expecting, but, you know, being open to a guy with an injury that, Hey, they may scratch, they may downgrade uh, that, that, that is always a situation to say, what are my outs if it's a if it's a pinnacle game Sunday Monday night and then the other part would just be do I have someone else where I don't really have to have that same level of worry and I can just fix it right here on Thursday Saturday Sunday whenever I'm setting my initial line.
1: Right. So you and I we own a couple of different teams, but on one of them in particular, I remember the judgment call was between Saquon Barkley, who was playing this weekend, versus. Josh Jacobs, who was questionable for Monday night. And you didn't think that he was questionable. You were ready to go with him, which is fine. But I didn't want to be stuck with him with no outs because I had heard that his toe was bothering him. And he also had a cold, which was not COVID related, but he had a cold. So I don't like to rely on Monday night guys if I don't have to. So you and I talked about it and we ended up with Corey Davis instead which worked out perfectly because saquon Barkley didn't do that much josh jacobs did well but corey davis did even better than both of them just having the discussion but the the
0: process was we had someone with no questions right And, and frankly if something had happened to corey davis We still had we could still pivot. You know, we see we can pivot to something later. And your point is 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 an apt one that on Monday you, you the only pivot you might have had, like I had one matchup where I was down by two, Josh Jacobs was in my lineup. And you're like, Well, two points. Well you can envision a tweak and all of a sudden you don't get to 20 yards rushing. He's not a guy that catches five passes. Now, it turned out being fine. He got good enough volume. He scored twice. I mean, but apparently, you know, I didn't watch it live, but I mean, he was on the sideline changing shoes and limping and it was touch and go a little bit, you know, and, and frankly, early on. Now, he ended up uh, being a big part, you know, of their of their win, but you know, your my other out was Sammy Watkins because again, you're limited to one game. You know, you may not have a guy you want to drop. You know that that you can just pick somebody up that's just going to be playing if there is something that occurs. So I love what you said. A lot of times you get feature players and feature matchups Sunday, Monday night, but if that's your last guy, then. You are threading the needle, you know, and, and really think this through that if, if they're questionable, if you've gone through the practice and notes, you know, for the week, and it's like, oh, this is not, you know, this is not ideal. Dropping down a little bit might be the prudent thing when you stack that decision up five, 10, even 50 times over the, across your leagues in the season.
1: Right. And as it turns out, either, either one of those plays, except for Saquon, either one of those plays and we, we get the dub yet. Anyway,
0: yeah. and it's not, and, and we were fortunate that we had Corey Davis and it was, you know, we had, we had three options. Can you explain, I mean, did you have listeners and, you know, folks that follow me on Twitter and all that, that did, did you ever hear from anybody kind of a logic that Sequan Barkley's start rate was so high? Is it because it's just Sequan Barkley and it's like, well, you press start when he's, you know, not completely injured and out. So that's what you do. Like his start rate was like 80%. And I had... Like, I don't want any part of him. Like, I didn't want any part of him in my lineup because I was like, if he is a, a superhero, if he pulls an Adrian Peterson. I am going to be so happy that that occurs on my bench and I would not be upset at all. that, like, oh, his star rate was high. I should have had him in my lineup over other quality options that I had leading into week one. It was so much risk. It pretty much happened, you know, occurred in the game how I thought, which is he's going to probably play a little more than you would like. And he's not going to do a whole lot. He's not going to try to do a whole lot. So what's the point? What is really the point here? And that, and you're just kind of rooting for him not to get hurt. I hope the first big game he has is on my bench because I'm being so conservative that even when it's like, oh, he's good to go. Well, show me, show me you're good to go. And if you put up 30 on my bench and I lose by 26, so be it. I'm fine with that because he's one that has to prove it to me. And frankly, Brandon, Ayuk, they slow played him. He was running these half routes during the game. And like looking back again, I had him in a few lineups, but I was, it wasn't egregiously. So however, now he's at the point where you got to show it to me. You got to show it to me and that's okay. Blow up in week two. But if you're on my bench, that's okay by me. Just be healthy. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, week one is one of the toughest because we haven't seen the defenses and you've got projections for what the defenses are going to do. But the thing with the Giants and Saquon Barkley that I didn't have Saquon, I don't think I had him in any of my lineups and I'm in 40 plus leagues. And the reason that I didn't have it, have him in any of those lineups is because the Giants suck. And the game script is going to be for the wide receivers and the tight ends. And Evan Ingram was a late scratch. So you've got to pivot. You've got to go with the guys like Sterling Shepherd and uh, Kenny Galladay and, and the other wide receivers because you know they're going to be playing from behind and Daniel Jones is going to have to air it out. Saquon Barkley is an afterthought in that game script. Plus, he's coming off an injury that was major. There was no way that I was going to start him in 99% of my lineups. But again, week one is the toughest to judge. But at some point, you got to say, prove it. Normally, it's play your studs. But in week one, especially coming off with something like that, it's not necessarily so.
0: Yeah, and frankly, as much as we talk about running backs and, you know, having having extra bodies, you know that that you probably were okay, you know. I mean, that might have been pivoting to Damian Harris, you know, or somebody like that where you may not think that that's super optimal, but he's a starting running back, he's going to see a pretty good snap share, and uh, again, he's someone that can post, he can he can absolutely have the upside for a touchdown or two. So to pretend like you're probably starting nothing, you know, I mean, that could have been, you know, pivoting to someone that was running back 20 you know, in the projections or whatever, um, whatever resource. Um, and this may align with with two or three of the teams that we are going to discuss uh, in this episode this week. But uh, it was there a running back uh, rotation or uh, situation just in general across the NFL that surprised you that either, hey, this isn't going to, this was an aberrational week one sort of thing, or this is something like, hey, I wasn't expecting it. But we're rolling with it, and I think this is going to be something that stabilizes. Could be usage, could be production, could be the level of offense actually improving a running back more than you thought.
1: Well, for example, Derrick Henry did not produce anywhere near what you would have expected him to produce. He made up for it in garbage time a little bit. He ended up with like, depending on your scoring system, 10, 11 points,
0: What's that? He actually caught the ball. He actually had two, three, four catches, I remember. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, the dude can catch. He's just not usually relied upon for that role, but the whole point is he started off really slow. He ended up doing okay, but 10 fantasy points, 11 fantasy points from Derrick Henry, when you expect 20 to 25, that's pretty sad, and it wasn't a bad matchup for the Titans. It was just
0: well, it turned into a bad matchup. It turned into right? A exactly.
1: Exactly. And are, that's you, are you concerned one. about
0: the Titans? I, no. I mean, are they? So this is going to be a false positive where they're they're going to be just fine. And I think they're, they're
1: going to be just fine. I think this was just a week one again. Um, week one is the toughest to call, not just for the studs, but I mean, even for the guys that are the non-studs trying to predict. Okay, well, who of the backup dudes? Is going to be worthy of starting in my lineup. Like I had faith. I started Tyson Williams in a, in a bunch of different places. He's never touched an NFL ball during a regular snap. So uh, that was a lot of faith put in him, and it turned out okay. But but again, what else did they have? You got guys that are coming in off waivers. You got Latavius Murray, brand new to the team. Freshest legs that has played. There wasn't any surprise to me that it was Latavius Murray over Le'Veon Bell and Devonta Freeman. But, you know, at some point you got to gamble. You've got to roll the dice on a couple different guys.
0: How do you feel about Tyson Williams? You know, he got off to a good start Um, he, and it turned into more Latavius Murray in the second half. Uh, I mean, Williams... Did have that chunk touchdown, which really helped him. He had three catches, but only nine carries. You know, for a in a game where they led a little bit, it was contested the whole way. It's not like there was comeback mode per se. Um, Is that something that that kind of you're like, "Eh," you know, week one might be you know the most optimal period for Tyson Williams, or do you think that you know that's just the way it worked out? They didn't want to overwork him in the first game, that type of stuff. What do you kind of take away from that?
1: No, I think that it's going to be him and Latavius splitting carries in the backfield for the foreseeable future. I don't think Le'Veon Bell is going to be anything. I think he's going to stay on the practice squad. A lot of people wanted to elevate him just because of the name, which I understand. But you have to look at Le'Veon Bell and his body of work recently. What have you done for me lately?
0: Is he a good fan too? I mean, he's not a guy that really hits it up in there quick, which... With Baltimore, Lamar Jackson gets that hole open, you gotta plug it up in there. Murray is more of a decisive downhill runner. Gus Edwards was exactly that, which was right. why he was a great fit. Jerry right. Dobbins has speed. I just wonder if, you know, if Freeman and Bell have the requisite speed or movement or burst at this point in their career to actually get through those, you know, or are they gonna get plugged up after two, three yards and not really get through the second level?
1: I don't think they're going to get a shot. I think that That unless there's an injury, Tyson Williams and Latavius Murray will be the backfield. That's it.
0: Do you think? Do you think Williams a didn't do enough, or Murray's uh, role was enough that this great cash out moment of Tyson Williams of like being able to maybe get a first, or like he didn't get the perfect storm enough in this game to really execute that plan? Unless maybe Murray gets hurt, you know, in the short term or something.
1: Well, I don't know too many people that are going to be doling out first for Tyson Williams, right?
0: Okay. Uh, even after
1: this week, but I think he's the kind of player. There's there's Ronnie Dangerfield type players that you would rather have on your team than have somebody else have them. I would not sell him for a second. I would not sell him for a third. I'd rather have him if I bought him off waivers for whatever.
0: Well he's a 1A, well he's a 1A1B. So you have to so even if you view him as a, as just a stock profile of a 1A1B guy. So wouldn't be that be in the range of let's say Jamal Williams, you know, as someone that's, you know, they're they're going to split some snaps. They're both going to have their own role. Um, now, you know, PPR wise, I don't think the Ravens are in the class of Detroit in terms of the targets that are going to be available and some of those other factors. But like in terms of that, would you sell a stock, you know, committee guy getting 40 plus percent of snaps, would you sell that profile alone? No name, you know, just for a random second. I think a lot of people, you would say no. But what I do find interesting is could I move from Tyson Williams to another back like that and maybe get a second? Those are the types of deals that interest me in terms of playing the profile game of basically getting the same thing, yet Tyson Williams is hotter right now. But I do think Murray did enough that it really cools the stock a decent amount of where it might have been, you know, days before, you know, when we had the clarity and heck, especially before Murray got there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't go crazy about Tyson Williams or Elijah Mil- Mitchell, or any of those types of players, because they're not long-term dynasty plays. If you did get Tyson Williams off the waiver wire, I'm more apt to just run him into the ground, use him. He's more valuable to your team than even a second
0: or well, a third. Because a late second, let's imagine what that was this year. I mean, was that a Monro St. Brown? But you know, this Diami year's different Brown. from next year. No, I, then, I know, but you yeah. just think of the type of player. You're probably looking at a day two tight end, a day three running back. From that range, you typically don't get a look at a day two running back. It could be a first round quarterback, could be a uh, you know a day two wide receiver, but a running back that's in a one a one b situation where what if Murray gets hurt this next week? You know how do things look then? Are you glad you sold for somebody's contender second? Probably not. You mentioned Elijah Mitchell. Um, what do you think happens over the next say two to three weeks? how does this sift out with the 49ers now that we know Raheem Mostert out for the season, Wayne Gallman not on the team. They moved on from him weeks ago. So you've basically got Elijah Mitchell who had the hundred yard game in his NFL debut. You've got Trey Sermon who was inactive. You've got Jermichael hasty as the most relevant pieces uh, that, that remain.
1: One of the biggest scouting flaws points that we, you and I both had, about Trey Sermon was he is decent at a lot of things, but he's not great at any one thing. And I think that showed up this week in the non-start because he's not a special teamer. He's not a special team guy. But now that Raheem Mostert is out, I think that Trey Sermon will elevate to the RB1 position because he is... A running back. He's not a special team guy. He's not Elijah Mitchell. Can he Dude, is? Michael he's a
0: returner, can. right? Yeah, right. Haste. So, and, but well, yeah, you but have if a- he's offensive only, and you're going to be in that three or four man rot- if you're in a three running back rotation, I think they were probably thinking the calculus was Mostert doesn't, you know, not going to play special teams. He's our, you know, running back one or one A or whatever terminology they put on it. But if we have Sermon two then we're going to lose a special teamer because Mitchell right. has to be up. So hasty wouldn't be up like there. There really is a roster crunch for who is active. But now that most not playing special teams is not a part of it. Sermon can be activated and he's not going to be a part of special teams. So the numbers are the same.
1: Right. So I think that Trey Sermon, a lot of people are thinking, well, Elijah Mitchell obviously is now the one a, I don't believe that's true. I think that Trey Sermon is the one a, elevated because as a running back, he is a very talented running back. He doesn't do anything great, but he does a lot of things very good. And
0: and w- that's all you need in Shanahan's offense, right? You exactly. All the, th- all the, all the right things correctly. And cause we, we wonder all the time about running backs. Where we're like, Oh, this guy that's not playing as much. He's not as like, he's way more talented yet. They don't do the little things. Well, they like, uh, like a lot of these coaches, they don't really oh you run fast oh that's great well pick up that blitz blitzing assignment you know don't fumble you know, and just basically, when the hole's there, lower your shoulder, get the yards. Let's move on to the next play. Don't dance. Don't try to use your four three X speed and your great three cone and get the heck out to the perimeter because you might lose five yards. You're not following the play. Like I think they hate that. So, so a lot of times these these guys, Alfred Blue is a perfect example. He did a lot of things to a requisite level in the NFL. He played till he was like 29 or 30. A lot of times, people wanted to run him out fantasy wise, and and that's highly valuable that's why they, they keep him around and servants better than that but my point was that a lot of times these flashier athletic guys they may not do everything well enough to actually get on the field um and and i i think with elijah mitchell you know i saw him you know exploit a hole i don't think he's great versus contact you know he so i i do have some questions about him and if he's a core special teamer I mean, I don't think their plan was to give him as much usage as he got in week one. Like, I think they would rather have him in that 1B role, you know, so that he can do special teams because they, they might not have a replacement for him on that team.
1: Right. So I think that Trey Sermon should elevate to the 1A, Elijah Mitchell should be the 1B, and then Jermichael Hasty has a change of pace, and they both can play special teams. So...
0: Again, is Mitchell Mitchell another one that you're saying, hey, I got him. He's found money based on what he just did and based on this how the depth chart looks. But is your mentality, no one's going to pay me what the, you know, having a guy in the top two rotation of a 49er offense and run game, no one's really going to pay up for that right now based on a one game sample size. Let's see what happens with Trey Sermon. Lots of moving pieces here. And he didn't really have the pedigree later day three that someone's probably instantly going to pay up for. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Dynasty fantasy football is both long-term and short-term and guys like Elijah Mitchell are not I don't think they're long-term guys but yet they're valuable in the short term so if you got them because you got them in round four of a rookie draft or you picked them up off waivers for cheap I wouldn't spend a lot of waiver wire bucks in dynasty if you were in redraft, maybe, but even still, I think that Trey Sermon's going to be the one a now with most out. And Mitchell is good, but I don't think that he's anything more than just a filler. So long-term he's not a dynasty play. So you, you got to just, Look at him like a Rodney Dangerfield. You're not going to get more for him than what he's worth to your roster, you might as well keep him.
0: Okay. Uh let's talk about the Rams. Uh, what a showing for them in week one. Um, one question I would have is, you know, where's the value? What was clarified? What did you see in week one from this electric offense? And our first data point with Mr. Matthew Stafford paired with Sean McVay.
1: No, I, I knew this was going to be a good pairing. I also, with the defense, I mean, this is a hell of an offense. And I said that in my redraft. You want the Rams players, period. Um, Not the running backs so much, but the wide receivers for sure and the tight ends because they're going to produce. And Matt Stafford is unleashed. He's a heck of a talent. He's somebody that can sling the ball all around the field. He's got the veteran Plus the arm him and Cooper Cup they have breakfast every morning they run a lot of pass routes it's like why didn't I know that he was having omelets with Matt Stafford like this is (laughs) inside information exactly right but I think that Bobby Trees will have his moments too Uh, it was just not a Bobby Trees game script Uh, Bobby Woods, Robert Woods Um, but no i mean i think that they're both going to get theirs and i love van jefferson with matt safford and they're all gonna eat they're all gonna eat and tyler higby i mean is it tyler yeah tyler higby um they're they're all gonna eat they're all gonna get the chance
0: it was great to see though that throw across the field because I'm sure there's so many things in McVay's offense that he felt limited that I don't know if, if Goff is going to A, pull the trigger. B, does he have the arm to pull this off? Stafford has pretty much a limitless, uh, you know, portfolio of throws that he can make on platform, off platform. I mean, it just seemed like a perfect fit and we got one data point, obviously, and, and the bears, you know, rather toothless. So we'll see. You know, I, I thought their defense would have a better showing, but again, this might be Bears defense is just fine. The Rams de- the Rams offense is is maybe the biggest takeaway when we get a few weeks removed from this. I was going to ask because Sony Michelle just got there. Do you think that this is going to turn into a big committee? Is it going to be close to 50-50, uh or is it Henderson's job to lose and Michelle would be one that benefits from any missteps?
1: I think it's Henderson's job to lose. But I think they're going to work Sonny Michelle in to give him as much relief as they can. Um, That being said, this offense is gold because also their defense is gold. Their defense is going to put them in good position. If you only have to go 40 yards to get a touchdown, look at Jameis Winston this weekend with the Saints. He had five touchdowns. He only had 193 yards total passing because he didn't have to go very far. But that's what the Rams defense is going to do for Matt Stafford. They're going to put him in great field position and Matt Stafford will respond. The whole offense will respond. It's just a matter of who's going to be elevated game to game, but it doesn't matter. I want all of the Rams offense, please.
0: Yeah, um, and in some shallow leagues, you know, uh, I saw an FFPC, Sony Michelle's out there a few times. I would clean that up. You want parts of this? Um, and you mentioned Vane Jefferson, like he's relatively available in some of these more shallow formats. Um, I would notate still one one limitation that we saw last year, and I think we're seeing it, we saw it week one. I think we're gonna see it again, you know, as, as the season progresses, which is it's just not a high passing game for the running back. So just know they have good targets at wide receiver and tight end, and we didn't even see all of them in this game, and yet the running back, it's going to largely rely. Now, Henderson had a touchdown, so life is good. He had one catch, and he was able to do some work with it. But he's not going to be a guy that you typically see four or five receptions. So it is going to be that setting. You need the touchdown to, to get into the double digits a lot of times. Uh, so just know that, whether it's Henderson, Michelle, whatever given week it is. Uh, moving over to the Saints. Uh, you mentioned Jameis Winston. You mentioned the defense helping out the offense. So many question marks we had coming into this with no Michael Thomas. What was Marquez Calloway? What was he going to do with the wide receiver one role? We had Juwan Johnson coming out with two touchdowns. You had Tony Jones in the new Latavius Murray uh, and you also had the debut of Jameis Winston. What are some of the takeaways of is this is this real? Is this false going forward with the Saints offense?
1: I think that Jameis Winston is real. I think that the amount of time that he spent off, able to work on his own skill set, the LASIK surgery, everything, you know, you get hungry. Sometimes you get complacent as an NFL quarterback or any kind of, you're already at the top. Everybody loves you. Why do I have to work? And then he loses his job. And now all of a sudden he has to work. And I think I got a ton of Jameis Winston because he was so cheap. And I really still believed, I really believed in his skill set that he would come around. And he's the kind of guy that can change the game. Again, five touchdowns and only less than 200 yards. And and the yardage, I think, will come up as his skill receivers and, and skill positions come up with him. Alvin Kamara is a beast, and I love Tony Jones in that backfield as well. And then I, Marquez Callaway had the weakest game, but yet he still has a lot of potential. He's the kind of guy you just gotta you gotta know that he's gonna have great games and bad games, and this was a bad game for him. But they also have eight guys that are on COVID. Six of them are coaches. One of them is a player, and one of them is something else, whatever. So that could play a role. We got to be cognizant of that. But I think the I think Jameis Winston on the whole and the Saints are on an uptick. I think a lot of garbage time, a lot of you know, come back, play from behind gunslinger type mentality. Jameis Winston is all in. I'm all in on Jameis Winston.
0: Yeah, I I think one of the bigger things for me is I always look at, there's certain players that rededicated themselves. and, And like you said, the time away. But what I saw is a guy that trimmed down he looks in the best shape he's been in maybe since his freshman year in college. Like he looks trim. He looks fit. I saw a guy that he used to be almost circus-like when he would move around in the pocket, try to evade guys. He was effective, but it was always interesting because he was very slow in how he did it. He would extend a play and it would take nine seconds. Uh, and then he would end up running for six yards. I saw a guy that actually moved with a purpose in this game. Uh, I like what you said about just being away. The Ryan Tannehill effect. All of a sudden, I'm not the starter. That could be Marcus Mariota. That could be a number of guys that Cam Newton, you you take away their gig. And now, what do I have? Well, I got to fight for it all over again. And the last time they fought for it might have been when they were in college. Becoming a strong prospect might have been the last time that they really had to quote unquote earn it. Not that they weren't good enough to have it no matter what. But with Winston, I just feel kind of like you that that Sean Payton is going to whatever the best is for Winston, he still may be a guy that throws you know and averages an interception a game, but he's not going to be two interceptions a game. So can he just be good enough? with the decision-making. And I think especially this time without Michael Thomas and without Trequan Smith, with the wide receivers being limited, if we can see ball control within himself, I'm going to make the right decision. I'm going to run a little bit if I have to. I'm going to throw the ball away. If we see good decisions out of him during this stretch where the weapons are suboptimal or not full strength, I think that's all we need to know because this would be the time you would force the ball. Because you say, ah, no one's open. No, it's like that Peyton Manning commercial that where remember he throws it into the you know the ten year olds backs because no one's open. Like that would be Winston, you know, trying to force the ball, trying to make something. We saw that for years in Tampa Bay, and he had decent weapons. So if they've reined him in and playing within himself, knowing that the defense can do some of the work, knowing you'll have Michael Thomas hopefully back in a couple months, knowing that TreQuan Smith can be back, but don't force the ball. You know, he found uh, Deontay Harris for a long game. You know, he found Chris Hogan for a touchdown. He found Juwan Johnson a couple times. So can he just pick his moments? Because he doesn't need to throw five touchdowns. Can you throw one or two? Can you control the game? Not throw the pick. Run for a first down every now and again. So he was one that I still had in one quarterback. I remember in one quarterback thinking last year, God, why am I holding Winston? You know, like, eh, is he going to be a starter the next year? It was very ambiguous. But... You hold 101s. I mean, this is what you do. You hold a guy that has actually done something in the NFL, saying the NFL will probably value that. And if they don't, then we know everything we need to know. If the Saints just willy-nilly moved on and Winston didn't get a gig, and he has to, you know, fight for scraps again and sign some one-year deal, and he's a backup to somebody, you know, like he goes to the Jets, he's the backup, one-year deal to Zach Wilson, and Sean Payton bailed on you, we probably wouldn't have as many shares as we do today. So the fact that he was a good soldier, you know, he he went through, he learned a ton, goes through the offseason, dedicates himself this debut, it's all aligning to say this is the second, the, the the new Tannehill in terms of a new part, a fresh start of his career. And I had concern about Callaway. We'll see how these data set builds, but he's being thrust into a spot of like, hey, ooh, he looks good. You know, look at this. He's gonna be the guy at wide receiver. I am so skeptical of this whole like the next man up will just be fine. Like if you get the number 1 corner on a team, I mean look at who for years, Julio Jones, who does he draw every single week for Atlanta? Or you can get these guys that are absolute alphas. They have, I mean you might say every once in a while they got a guy that they can truly exploit, but they got the big time matchup every week. And maybe Callaway doesn't even draw that. You know, maybe they just play straight up left and right sides or something. But the point is Being thrust from basically not producing much at all a year ago to now, like he's looking at the other side and saying, I got Chris Hogan. This guy wasn't even on a team, you know, a few weeks ago. I got Deontay Harris, who's a bit player. I mean, let's keep it in perspective for what he is. Trequan Smith will be back at some point. Michael Thomas will be back, but he's got no, no help. So that's what I worry about with Callaway is the like, whether or not he's good, it's the fact that you're being thrust into a like level 11. Right away, week one full on NFL defenses, and there's no one around you to suck away the safety and the top corner. That's what I that that's my biggest concern with this. Um, but anyway, your thoughts on Callaway a little bit.
1: No, absolutely. Uh a guy like Callaway, who has some talent and chemistry with Jameis Winston in the preseason, don't think for a second that the other team's defenses aren't picking up on that. And if Michael Thomas is out and Traquan Smith is out, Marquez Callaway is now your number one. Who do you think that defenses are going to focus on? They're going to focus on him. And that's why Jawan Johnson and all these no names just all of a sudden elevated because Jameis Winston can pass the ball around to who's open. He's a talented Number one guy, uh, you know, you look at a guy like Josh Rosen, who didn't ever really get the chance, but he never has excelled. He hasn't ever shown that he's the number one dude that was taken, and yet Jameis Winston has. And that's why I believe in the talent, even though he may not have the best wide receivers around. But with with a guy like Marquez Callaway, he's going to be double teamed or maybe not even double teamed, but the best cornerback, the best safety from the other guy's team, they're going to have him blanketed.
0: And this is not like I was actually thinking of a situation where, it, like AJ Brown, for example, he came in and right away he wasn't considered the guy for Tennessee. It was probably Corey Davis taking that attention away. So a lot of times at wide receiver, you start out lower than you know. Just all of a sudden, you know, the, the, your first day of, of significant action, it's like boom, that's it. You know, top coverage, and we're going to lock you down. That's not the way it works. You know, you, typically you start out something in the ancillary or secondary. Uh, space. And then you turn into the number one and you turn into the focal point of the offense and the attention around you. And I do want to notate that Adam Troutman, I know he didn't have a great game. He led the team with six targets. Jameis Winston, I remember Cameron Brate having a ton of seasons, a ton of production that Winston loves tight ends. And between Juwan Johnson and Adam Troutman, they saw a hardy number of targets because they didn't throw a whole lot. So just keep that in mind that you say, Camara? The two tight ends, it may not be a wide receiver-centric offense outside of certain situations, like you know, a, a certain target here, a deep throw, you know, that it's not gonna be. Don't expect 15 targets going to wide receivers. They just don't have the horses to really support that right now. Because a lot of times it's obvious. Just look at the team and say, where are the most talented players or where are the mismatches? And it's not always, well, it's the first three wide receivers, and then maybe there's a tight end, and then maybe there's a running back. Some teams, it's more running back and tight end than wide receiver for moments in time. Uh, For Washington, uh, just do you have a a quick data point on on, uh, Washington where we got Ryan Fitzpatrick barely played a couple drives. He's out now uh, for a couple months. We'll see about maybe it being longer. Taylor Heineke is next man up get Antonio Gibson, who actually is trending towards fine. Uh, he has a shoulder issue, but he was a full participant today and they have a Thursday game. So that should be a non-factor. And uh, again, with, with Heineke in there, what were some of the points from week one that we should be taking away?
1: Yeah. So in my Scott Fishbowl bid, I ended up losing by half a point to a team that had one quarterback. I, I started two quarterbacks they had one quarterback, and it was Matt Ryan. I think he scored one point seven eight points. But I had Ryan Fitzpatrick, who scored negative one point seven eight points. I should have started Carson Wentz, but you don't know because Carson Wentz was had his own question marks. The whole point is, I lost by half a freaking point. That's fantasy football, dude. Like you, you can think that you know. But when it comes to Washington football team, I don't know that they're going to sign any big names like Cam Newton's out there, but they've already signed somebody else. They're not going to, they're not going to pick up Cam Newton. So it's Tyler Heineke. And the, the fact, what I love is when you're watching sports center and you're watching it uh, from a bar where they've got the closed captioning and Heineke Auto corrects to Heineken. It's like, okay, I'm at a bar. That makes sense. Let me have all the Heinekens. Um, but it it does. I think Heineke is decent. But I think it it just like I really like Ryan Fitzpatrick in that he's just a balls to the wall, throw the ball deep, like he can unleash guys. I was disappointed he got hurt early not just from a scoring perspective, but just because I think that Washington football team, their offense was much better with him than with Heineke.
0: Yeah. And I I, I want to remind folks, if you're thinking of bidding big on Taylor Heineke and super flex is he has been one that I I think the line is he's never finished a game that he's, that he's started or he gets hurt. He is not a big build. He runs around. He does elude guys, but it's usually a flash in the pan and a, a flickering candle that is usually blown out and extinguished. So I actually think the savvy play is to pick up Kyle Allen, you know, in Superflex or two quarterback because the odds that that Heineke stays healthy for one, two, three, four, five games where you're like, oh, I got Allen here and he's just not getting a shot. They like Kyle Allen. They like him too. So uh, they like all these guys, and so I, I just think Heineke is going to be one that. Yeah, he may, he may have a great game. It's possible. It absolutely is. But I just don't think it's going to last very long. And I think if you, if you have to pay 50% of your budget, 30% of your budget, significant something you know, for Heineke, you might be able to get Allen for a dollar. So, so, just keep that in mind. I'm always about arbitrage opportunities there. Um, and we were to final thoughts. I did want to give an update, first update for the UTH best ball contest, where we got the super fans in there. We got Katie, Tim, Jordan, and myself. And one of our own. Now, we got Jordan McNamara w- taking it down week one uh, with the perfect storm outcome. He had Brady, he had Stafford, Mark Ingram. You know, that's going to turn out to be a, a running back one uh, revelation in terms of the opportunities he at least had with their positive game script this week. He's got Swift and Jamal Williams. So that turned out well, Tyson Williams, I adjusted, I I believe I adjusted his salary. Some of these other ones that, that froze weeks ago. Um, you know, he turned into a free square basically, but, uh, but Tyson Williams, nice quality showing in week one if you're you're not surprised that uh, Jordan at all has Corey Davis or Tyler Lockett, he's big fans of those guys. He has Gronk, who had a career... I mean, what year was this? 90 yards, couple touchdowns. I thought he saved that for Super Bowls. <laughs> so uh, yeah, big game for him. And uh, he even had a couple other quarterbacks on his bench. And we'll see what happens with Cordero Patterson, you know, with that wide receiver eligibility, but uh, some running back usage out of him. So Katie, what are some of your final thoughts and uh, shout outs for this week?
1: All right. So... I do not normally trash talk. Um, It takes a lot to get me to do so. I'm in a charity league and it's for the veterans, which I think is fantastic. It ends up, I was asked to take over an orphan for somebody that wasn't drafting. I had two picks left, I think maybe three picks left when I joined and I joined happily. It's like I join any charity league that it comes to. But the dude was like bragging that he was going to trash me week one. And so I, in chat, I gave him a rap and I dropped it like three weeks ago. It's like, look, dude, you think your team is all that and, and blah, blah, blah. So he was running his mouth the whole time. And so week one, I beat him. And it's it's the kind of thing where it's like, all right, so I don't normally bite, but I bit back. So here is the rap that I put in my chat and I just wanted to share it with everybody. His name is cheesy. It's like you like to run your mouth. Didn't figure you run into a slayer from the south. You bragged you beat me soundly, didn't you? But I told you you didn't know what you were getting into. I even started OBJ and forgot to sub him out. But Russell Gage's Guse got me to jump and shout. I lost DTN to injury and I had to get a game saver. Y'all laughed at me when you saw how much I spent on waiver. But I got my man Tyson and maybe it's a one game win. But to lose to you week one after your trash talk would have been a sin. You laughed at the team I didn't draft and thought my faith in Winston starting was daft. But he put up more points combined than your two QBs. And if I lose from here, I really do not mind. This league's all for fun and it's all for charity, but me beating you has brought some clarity. Good luck moving forward. And I really do mean it because the ass kicking you promised was returned and you done seen it. So that's for Jeezy. And uh, I just definitely love that we do a lot for charity in the fantasy football community. And, you know, again, it's all for fun. It's all for charity. I don't trash talk, but I wrote that rap and I just figured I'd share it
0: excellent stuff katie and uh you can find her on twitter at ff underscore skyler 399 i am at chad parsons nfl got tim torch over there we're doing the waiver show on patreon.com slash uth reminder about all the content i do a what i watch this week for college football try to get uh we'll probably do a, a devy show here or there uh with katie we'll catch up during the college season maybe we'll do a a few minutes on on uh, a weekly show as well talking about a few players but uh certainly uh, a lot of premium content i mentioned the film notes show i do um plenty of other content do a trade cast uh as well so find that out and on monday you're going to get the trade calculator you're going to get the rankings the running back matrix all those things updated uh by the time you're really checking things out on monday or especially by the time tuesday you're seeing Ah, did i win or lose it's time for waivers time to reset for the week and what i should be doing uh with my dynasty teams uh, so enjoy the games again this week i you know let's hope we get a bunch more primetime games to to look like we had the ravens and raiders in week one and just know we're going to be there with you every step of the way adapting to the changing landscape in front of us because no two nfl weeks are the same the moment you think you got it figured out it's going to be five more twists and turns and that rubik's cube needs to be turned on its head yet again until next week never settle refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties.